Well, today I want to talk to you about submission. Submission in regards to how the Lord makes us into his masterpiece. We've been speaking the last couple Sundays about God's masterpiece. And, and if you haven't been here, I, I would really ad- would, would encourage you to go back and, and call it up on the website and listen to one of those two Sundays because we used a really powerful video, a powerful presentation of what God's trying to do in our life, about how he's trying to chisel uh, the, the stuff out of us that would keep us from being the masterpiece that he's created us to be. He really does love us. Do you know that? The Lord really does love us, and he really does see us in a way that maybe we don't see ourselves. He sees us as truly a masterpiece. And the process of becoming a masterpiece is a daily activity, and it starts with the act of submitting. If you don't submit to God, then he cannot do the work that he needs to do. So the act of submission is the first thing we must do when it comes to being in the process of being chiseled into God's masterpiece. And you know, it really is a daily effort. Do you know that? Because it seems quite often that God may work on me today, and I may feel really good and maybe chisel some stuff out of my life, and I get back in the world tomorrow, and I go back on a job site, and you know, all of a sudden, the influence of the world can settle in, and all of a sudden, maybe what God did to me today gets hardened over again with some crusty stuff that needs to be rechiseled off again in another process. And we didn't know that that happens. We're not perfect. And, and I don't want to set the expectations that you have to be perfect because we are not perfect in this world. We have a perfect heart. We want to have perfection in our heart, but we have stuff that just clings on to us. And, and we need to know that it's a daily process of having to continue to go through the chiseling process in our life so that God can continue to work on those areas that need to be worked on. And it all starts with submission. But we have to understand, first of all, that we have to allow ourselves to be worked on. If I don't allow myself to be worked on, I can become hardened by my own self-deception. I can be hardened on, on the fact that maybe I think I'm so good I don't need this anymore. I've been a Christian so long, I don't need this process anymore. Well, we need the process because we are a work in progress. And as that chiseling process helps and as it, and as it works through us and, and as the, 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 the process starts to unveil the, the masterpiece that God has, understand you're going to have some conflict there because the devil doesn't want you to be unveiled as a masterpiece. The devil wants you to think of yourselves as a, as a broken piece. But Jesus sees you as a whole piece, as a, as, a, as a masterpiece. And so we need to recognize that we need to continue to submit our lives to Christ on a regular basis so that we see ourselves the way God sees us. But it is, it is a process. It is a process. You know, and I pray that, that when we speak here on Sunday mornings and when we preach and teach, um, you know, I... Most of my years have been as a layman. Most of my years have been sitting in the pew. And, you know, I really analyze the preaching and the teaching that I do from that perspective the best that I can because it's so important that we teach things here that are applicable. I just don't want to speak and preach big words and smooth-sounding eloquence and all that nonsense because I can't, so I don't even try. But I just want you to know that what is spoken here, I believe truly, is from the Lord. And I believe that the Lord has something for us to do if we, if we were to take this and use it throughout the week and apply it. So I'm praying that, that you will pick up some pieces here. 
that our focus and our attention will be placed on, Father, teach me what I need to know. Teach me what I need to glean out of the service today so that I can take the steps necessary throughout my week to continue to allow myself to be made into the image that God wants me to be made into. So the first step in becoming this masterpiece for both of us, for you and for me, both of us, is submission. I need to submit to the process. If I resist God's chiseling, if I resist this, then God's limited to what he can do. You have that much control of your life. It's your choice. You can either shut this out and you can either say, I'm not listening to this, or you can allow your mind to get distracted. You can allow yourself to be going to the potluck or tomorrow or whatever you want, and you can just totally ignore this. But if you do ignore these things, remember that you're limiting God's work in your life. So it's important that we allow ourselves and that we bring ourselves into a state of submission even when it comes to listening to the Word of God. Our text for this morning is James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves then unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And you know, so often we read this verse as a verse that we can claim dominance over the enemy, which is true. We can claim dominance over the enemy, but we do it through submission. We do it through our submitting to Christ. We will not have dominance over the enemy until we submit to Christ. You cannot have dominance over the enemy on your own. You do not have it within you, and I do not have it within me to, to dominate the enemy if I don't submit my life first to Christ. So what does it mean to submit? What does it really mean to submit? I want to talk about submission. What does it really mean today? What is it, when do we start it? When do we start to submit? And what does it look like? I want to touch on those three basic areas. What does it really mean? When does it start? And what does it look like? What does it mean to submit? Well, the word submit is used 38 times in the New Testament. It is the Greek word hypotasso. Hypotasso, and it means to put in subjection, subordinate, be subject to with applications as to place or arrange or bring under influence or to render to obedience to be submissive. All these words are all talking about a military term that means basically to arrange a troop of divisions or a troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. It's a very direct application that when we submit, we are taking ourselves and putting them under the command of a leader. In a military word, it's where you bring the groups together and you all, as a troop, you submit under the leadership of the commanding officer. The word was used so that we would um, become a good definition. This is good, a, a good understanding of, of what it means then in our Christian life as well. As a Christian, we are to sm- submit ourselves to God. As a good soldier, when we signed up for service, we are to view our life as no longer our own. When you become a military person, if anybody's been in the military or in the military, you were not your own person any longer. When you were in the military, you did what your commanding officers told you to do. Anybody been in the military and anybody can attest to that fact? Was that true? Yeah. Now, we are in the army of Christ. When you signed up to be, when you, when you asked Jesus to forgive you, 
When you said, Father, forgive me of my sins, and you applied the, Christ, the blood of Christ in your life, what you signed up for was warfare. You signed up to be in the battleground. You signed up to be in the forefront of the battle. We serve a higher purpose today because of that act of salvation. Jesus now is the commanding officer in our life. We come under his authority as Lord when we accepted him, truly accepted him, not just said the words of forgiveness, but when we truly accepted him and made him Lord of our life, we are no longer our own, and now we have the responsibility and the obligation to train ourselves under an act of submission to him according to his instructions that I, so that I can live in an attitude of submission. And when I do that on a daily basis, when I can train myself to, to, to really submit to the Lord that way, you know, it doesn't become work any longer. It's when I am fighting this submission thing it becomes work. But when I truly let it become who I am and that I truly am turning this over to Christ, it, does, it, it, it becomes a lifestyle now of, of joy and of peace. Because now I am truly understanding my position here. My position is not to be the leader. My position is to be submissive to the leader. And now I listen to his voice and I do the things that he says. And when I do that, it brings joy and peace. That's the reality of it all. We don't have joy and peace when we become saved because life is good. We have joy and peace in the midst of the problems when I'm submissive. And when I'm following Christ as my leader and I'm willing to do whatever he says, that brings joy and peace. We arrange ourselves under the command of a divine viewpoint rather than living according to one's old life based on a human viewpoint. I'm looking more at my life now from an upward perspective, looking down from the way God sees things, rather than my perspective looking up the way I see things. When I start submitting to God, I start seeing his viewpoint as more important than my viewpoint. Because, first of all, God has a much better viewpoint of my life than I do. He sees the overall, long-lasting, eternal perspective. I just can see what I can see. I just see the day ahead of me, and that not very clearly. I only see the, per the perspective of life that comes through my humanity and through, and through this, this dark veiled perspective. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read this verse, verse 12 in the Amplified Version. It says, For now, in this time of imperfection, we see a mirror, we see in a mirror dimly, a blurred reflection, a riddle. But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. So when I can recognize that the way I see things is through a filtered perspective of life from a human, human perspective that I don't see everything that God sees, therefore I cannot understand the way my life goes sometimes because I'm seeing it the way that I see things right now. I need to submit my viewpoint Submit the way I look and to the way God sees things. And from God's viewpoint, it's a totally different vantage point. He sees surgeries. He sees knee problems. He sees all kinds of problems from a totally different perspective. 
He sees marriage problems. He sees life issues from a totally different perspective because he sees what he's trying to make you through it, not as to what we see as we are in it. He's trying to make us better through the process, whereas we are just trying to survive through the process. God's saying, you know what? If you'll submit to me, I will make you better at the end of the day than you were before because of the process of submission, the process of what I'm trying to do in your life, the process of my vantage point is so much better than yours. So if I can just take a look at that and recognize that. The problem for us is that maybe we see that, but yet we fight against it. Maybe we see that, maybe we, maybe we know that, maybe up here in our mind we know that, but somehow we have a hard time getting it into our heart where we totally will embrace it and then let the Lord work in us. We may never admit it, but maybe we're stubborn and maybe we're set on our ways and maybe we don't like the thought process of change because if God's going to chisel in my life, something's going to change. Something's going to change. Otherwise, why is he chiseling? He's knocking something out of my life. He wants to fill my life up with something else. There's going to be a change in the process. The first step in that is submission. I must learn to submit to the Lord. The scripture tells us numerous places that we're to submit. This is not, we read it in our text in, in James chapter 4, verse 7, but there's many other passages. That I want to just point some out to you so you know that I'm talking from the Bible. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for, what, for that would be no benefit to you. So we're to submit unto leadership, godly leadership, because God has appointed that. God has appointed leadership. He's appointed this to happen, and we are to submit to that as an example. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. God has set up the authority structure of leadership, of authority, and of submission. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through 24. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. The point of that is, I'm not getting into marriage counseling here. But the point of that is that we are to submit ourselves to Christ as a church. We are to submit our hearts and our lives. The theme of all of this is humility. The theme of submission is humility. One cannot submit to God without humility. One cannot submit to God um, if there's any pride in your life. One submits to God through a humble act of obeying and surrendering to the authority of another person or another entity or the structure that God has in place. If you are, if you are fighting it, if you are uh, under a, a pretense 
that that person who God has set up under authority, that you are not going to come under, under his authority. If you're fighting that, you're fighting against God. Understand that. I'm talking about the office. I'm not talking about people necessarily. I'm talking about the office of, of positions. We have to respect the office of authority. A prideful person is one that does not like to think of themselves being submissive to another prideful person. Because a person typically sees other, in other people what's in themselves. So if I'm having a problem seeing that I could submit to you, I'm probably considering you a prideful person because I'm a prideful person, and therefore I'm not going to submit to you because that's just going to make you better, and now it's just, it just is a circle. And so therefore my, my submission or lack of submission to another person is based upon the skewed perspective of what I see in the person anyways. But if I look at it the way Christ looks at it, Christ doesn't see me if I'm truly a, a believer, if I'm truly a follower of Christ. I, my, my, I am giving up my pride to him. I'm not, um, li- I'm not walking out the authority that we have in pride. We're walking it out in humility. That's what it's all about in the first place. So now if I am taking God's perspective, then when it comes under submission, I can come under submission because I'm seeing humility in my leader. I'm not seeing pride. I'm seeing humility. And when I see humility, it makes me now understand that it is the right thing for me to do to submit to a humble person because through humility, we're both together going to be raised up in Christ because that's the way it works. Pride never accomplishes a godly task. Pride is the single most evil sin that we have. Pride is the sin that, that, that created Lucifer that caused his fall because he, he saw himself being like God. Pride is the thing that caused him to fall out of heaven. That was his, his thing. And so clearly, Scripture talks about pride as being destructive. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. You understand where, what, how significant pride is? It doesn't go before success. Pride isn't a result of success. Pride is a, it, it goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. In James chapter 4, verse 6, preceding our text this morning, the, well, the one passage before our text says this, but he who is God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God does not tolerate pride. Let's just say it for what it is. God does not tolerate a man with a life full of pride. Pride destroys the relationship with God. It's how important that is. It's how significant it is. So we must come under submission as an act of humility. So submission truly is is showing a person in in a person's life that he's not the end all, that he truly is under and supposed to come under the authority of another person, and so it is an act of humility. When When do we begin to submit? When does submitting begin? Well, can I suggest that it's the beginning? It is the beginning. Without submitting to God first, God doesn't have any authority to begin to do what he wants to do. So beginning, the, the beginning thing we, we do, we must submit. Think of it this way. A person cannot be helped unless a person wants to be helped. 
you can see all the problems in a person. A problem can be struggling in many areas, but the, until the person wants to be helped, there's no sense even trying to help because until the person is going to submit to help, he can't be helped. So the beginning is submission. So whether we're, we're looking at it from the act of submitting to God or it's the act of just getting ourselves out of a problem, we, not, we must begin at the beginning when it comes to our submission. Unless a person sees themselves as a sinner, we can never see ourselves as a saved person. Unless I see the fact that I am a sinner and that Jesus died for sin, then he came to forgive me. And then once, he go, then once I'm living that process out, I am, I am changed from a sinner into a godly man through the process of submission. But I have to start with submission first. I recognize that when Jesus talked to people, he never tried to sell them on Christianity. He never tried to tell them how good it was going to be. He was never going to tell them how rosy life was going to be. You know, a- Angel talked a little bit about it today in our Sunday school class, in our testimonies, that we have the perception or somehow something happens that when we get saved, all of a sudden life's going to be good and no more problems. For anybody that's saved this morning and that's been that way, would you raise your hand? Life has never had a problem after you got saved. You've never had a problem after you got saved. Maybe you weren't listening to me at first. (laughs) Yeah, salvation does not come to bring us a lack of problems. Salvation comes as a way to work our life through the problems and as a result of that. And Jesus was clear about it. In Matthew chapter 8, Verse 18 through 22, he talks to a crowd, and, and in this, he's, he's telling them what is required to be saved. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the, bed bury their, let the dead bury their own dead. Now, we need to understand this passage. This sounds pretty hard, doesn't it? Here you got this man that's trying to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I will follow you wherever you go. And first of all, Jesus says, first of all, do you know what you're signing up for? I don't even own a house. I'm homeless. So don't come after me thinking you're going to get a big house because you're following me. Right? So then, then another man says, well, I'm going to go wherever you go. And then, and then Jesus, and then it, but, but the man says, but, but God, um, let me go, Jesus, let me go bury my dead father first. Let me go bury my father first. And Jesus says, no, follow me. Let the, bed bury the, let the dead bury the dead, and, and, and you follow me. What he's really saying here is that um, it might sound very hard for Jesus to say this, but when we understand the philosophy here, this man was really telling Jesus, I'll do whatever you ask me to do under, on my time schedule. Well, if it doesn't impact my life, I will follow you. And see, Jesus had the way of seeing through people. When people would come to Jesus and say some things that sounded really good, maybe Jesus sounded pretty harsh and pretty cruel, maybe that's how he talked to people, but he, he always talked to what the heart was in the person. And uh, when you read and understand the commentary on this, um, this man's dad may not even have been dead. He might have been aging. He might have been cl- coming close to death, but he, he probably wasn't even dead is what I, when I read commentaries about this. So really what the man was saying is, I'll follow you, Jesus, but it's got to be under my time frame. 
really what this is, it's a lack of submission. And Jesus sees through that. And, 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 and one commentary says this. On, let me read this to, to you, what it says. In actuality, we may well question whether Jesus was, was really forbidding attendance at the Father's funeral any more than he was really advocating in another passage of self-castration. Remember he says, if your, hand cut, if your hand offends you, cut your hand off. If your eye offends you, pluck your eye out. Okay? In this, Jesus detected insincerity a qualified acceptance of Jesus' lordship. And that was not good enough. Commitment to Jesus must be without reservation. Such is the importance Jesus himself attached to his own person and his mission. It's not good enough just to come and say, my desire is to submit. It's not good enough to say, it's my desire. No more than it's, I could say, it's my desire to lose 10 pounds. If I don't put action to the desire, then I'm really not serious about it. If I don't put a diet and exercise with my desire to lose 10 pounds, my desire is not going to come to pass. I'm not going to lose weight if I don't put action to my desire. So it's more than just the intention of submitting to Christ. It is actually the follow-through of it. It is actually the, the working it out in us. Another example that Jesus talked about was in, mentioned in the Gospels about the young rich man, or the young rich ruler. Luke chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. See, in this man's case, he didn't think it was necessary to have to give everything to God. He really didn't think it was necessary. He really thought he was coming to Jesus and Jesus would say, well, you've done pretty good. You've, done, you've, you've, you've lived by this set of Ten Commandments and I'm, I'm pretty good with that because you're such a good guy. Um, you know, come on, follow me. But Jesus said no. Again, he saw through the man's insincerity. And he said, give all you have. Sell what you have. Give it to the poor. Then come follow me. Now, what this is not saying to you and I is that we don't have to, it's not saying from this passage that we have to give all of our money to the church. It's not what we're saying here. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. What he's all he's saying is that until we have the perspective that we don't own anything of our own right anyways, that we need to be able to submit all we have to Christ until we're at that point where we really can't follow him. We really can't follow Christ if we're doing it double-minded if we're thinking it's really not necessary. That's just a man's um, over-the-top perspective of living. No, it's not a man's over-the-top perspective of living. It's exactly what the Bible says, that we have to give up our own security in ourselves and be willing to submit ourselves wholly unto Christ. And only when we do that, then, are we really coming into relationship with God. Submission must come at the beginning of the relationship if there is going to be one and it must be ongoing. Do you understand that? It must be at the beginning, and submission must happen every day. Daily in our life, we must continually be in an act of submission. We're going to get to the point here where you're going to find that submission is not negative. Right now, we're still looking at it from it's a negative. I keep giving up of myself. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about what we're going to get. What does submission look like? We want to, I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to show you what submission is, and I want to do it with this aid of a PowerPoint because it, sometimes we need to see a word picture. 
And I want to talk to you about Matthew chapter 7. And I'll go and open your Bible if you want to. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Read it with me. It says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. All right? So here we have an example of this is us. This is where we come to, through the small gate. We're on the narrow road, and we're walking to eternal life. Life is, life is good. We're a, we're a good Christian person. Everything is good. All of a sudden, something happens in our life, and we do believe that sin can enter a life of a, of a person even after he's a believer. And what happens, as soon as this happens, it's unconfessed sin, it's deliberate sin, it's not the mistakes that we make. I need to understand that, but there are some sins that lead us to hell, and it happens after we're saved. Can you believe that? We can lose our salvation. I just want you to know that. And it is something that we need to follow, we need to watch very closely, and you'll see why in a minute. So now we... Um, we're in sin. We've made this mistake. We've fallen down. Okay. Let me ask you the question. If you're at this point right here and you've recognized your sin, you've recognized that you've made a mistake and you want to get back on a narrow road, what's the fastest way to get to the narrow road? Typically what we do right here is we, 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 do, we go straight up, right? But the, the quickest way to get to this road is to go straight up. The, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So we, what we typically do is is we say we're sorry, and, we, and we, we ask for forgiveness. And what this is called is worldly sorrow. Second Corinthians chapter 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So what happens now is that I, I say I'm sorry, and I get, I get as close as I can to that narrow road, and I think I'm walking on it, and things are good, but really my, trend, my, my trajectory is still down towards hell. I really haven't gotten to the narrow road again because I'm now in this thing called worldly sorrow. I'm sorry. I truly am sorry that I did it, or, I'm, or am I sorry that I got caught? Is there a difference between sorrow and repentance? Okay, so now I find myself in this, and so now life is okay. I'm on my road again. I find another area of sin. I say I'm sorry again. I jump back up real close to the, to the, to the road but I'm not quite on it, so now I'm still, my trajectory is still missing eternal life. I'm still doomed to hell. And see, and many Christians live that way. That's what this, that's what this passage is about because this forms the wide road. This is the wide road versus the narrow road because we, we've gotten in a process of when we do something wrong, we're sorryful. We say, I'm sorry, but I haven't done the thing that needs to be done. I haven't repented. There's a difference between saying I'm sorry and the submission of repentance. Very important that we understand that because if I live, if I'm doing this right here, if I'm just going up back and forth, I'm, my road is getting wider and wider and wider and that's exactly what this, this passage says. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Not many people understand the process of repentance to get back to the small gate. Because why? Because we're prideful. Because I'm not going to submit to that anymore. Because I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian all my life, and I've, I've found myself to be deceiving by my own insincerity. I'm sorry, I say I'm sorry, but I've never really done anything to repent. Repentance takes work, do you know that? It takes work to repent. It means I've got to go to people 
And I've got to say, I'm, I've offended you. I'm sorry. Or I've stolen from you. And you give some money back. Or, or maybe you've hurt somebody in a relationship or something else. But it takes work to repent. The other thing repentance does is it means I don't do it again. Let's just say you're struggling with, let's just say you're struggling with pornography. Just pick one. Or alcohol. Or whatever it is. When I repent from it, what it, what it makes me do is that I no longer look at bad pictures. I no longer allow myself to be tempted or act on that temptation of whatever that was. If I, if I have a problem with something, I don't go back to it all the time and think I can manage it. No, what I do is I stop it. I, I, I kill it. I make it, I, I, I die to it. If I'm having a problem with anything life-controlling, I don't go back and play with alcohol anymore if I have an issue with that. I repent. I go the other direction and I don't say, I don't pretend that I can live that way and then be sorry about it tomorrow and think I'm okay. Because what that is, that's worldly sorrow and that leads to death. I'm on the wide road and I don't even know it. Many Christians are that way today. That's what the Bible says. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and the other road that leads to life and only a few find it. What that tells me is that there's going to be less people in heaven than what we think. Why? Because we don't submit to godly assistance, to godly correction, to godly direction on a daily basis. I must submit to God daily through continual repentance to bring eternal life. If I'm not doing that on a regular basis, I'm on the wide road. I'm on the wide road. I don't want to be in the wide road, and I don't know about you, but I think you're, probably, you're right with me on this one. We need to be actually submitting on a daily basis to repentance and continually to putting ourselves in the right relationship with the Lord. And it's a, through a process of humility. And when we do that, here's the good news of all this. Submitting puts me in a position to receive from God. When I submit, I'm now in a position to receive. Until I submit to God, I'm really not in a position to receive anything from God. Because I'm prideful, I'm arrogant, I'm in my own way, I'm doing my own thing. But when I submit to God, now I'm in submission. I'm in a position to receive from God what God really wants to do in my life. What I'm really saying to God is, God, I, I agree with you and, I, and what you desire for me, and I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'm lining my life up with your thoughts and your desires. I really want to do the things that are pleasing to your sight, pleasing to you, I don't want to hurt you anymore. What I, what I want to be sure you understand today is that you are not submitting to a church. You are not submitting to a philosophy. You're submitting to God. You're submitting to God himself and that, that you are uh, doing everything in your power to give him your sincere appreciation that you are looking at him as your, as, as your Lord and his lordship now dominates your life. That you are truly submitting to him and you're not playing the game anymore with him. You are truly submitting to him. The Bible is very clear about how we do this. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 26 and 28. It talks to us about the conditions of what it means to receive from the Lord. I see, it says, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, that I'm giving you today. 
the curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. So God's saying, if you want blessings from me, this is God saying this, if you want blessings from me, then you obey me. If you want curses from me, then you disobey me. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear. There's no place here under law or under grace where a man can, dis can disobey and be blessed by God. If God failed to punish the sinner just once, it would result in a loss of respect for him in the hearts of all who are assured of justice if they sin. There can be no partiality with God. God declares that he is righteous, and for every person, and every person that wants to be godly, we understand submission is the requirement. So, Jackie, if you'd come, as we, as we talk about this today, and as we try to wrap this up, there's really no ending for a sermon on submission, because it is a never-ending process. Never-ending process. Jesus Christ is our best example of submission, by the way. Jesus Christ is the best example. And here's one of, of, of any person that you would think wouldn't have to submit, it would be Christ. Fully God, fully human, anybody that you would think that could do his own thing, run his own show, would have been Christ. But what did he do? Matthew chapter 26, verse 33. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, Yet not as I will, but as you will. Christ understood submission. He understood what it, mean, what it meant to submit to his Father. Really, what more needs to be said? Why do we think we need anything more than that? Why do we think we can do things on our own way when Christ couldn't do things his own way? So I'm, I'm just encouraging us this morning that as we are to walk with the Lord today, if you want the blessings of the Lord, then it is our responsibility and our privilege to bow before him today while we have a choice. While you have a choice, it is our privilege and our opportunity to bend our knee because the Bible says that there will come a time that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who Christ is. And, and here's the question for you today. When do you want to bow your knee? Then or now? So if you want to bend your knee now, that's called submission. And when I bend my knee to Christ now, that is bringing, that's putting me in a place where I can receive from God all of the benefits that I have of living for Him today in this, in this dark and broken world. I can live victoriously as I submit to God. Not as I rise up and do it in my own power. That's called pride. And God opposes the pride. But He will honor submission. So this morning, I just would like us all to, myself included, to do some evaluation in our life today. And as you go throughout this week, I would pray that you would find the quiet times. Remember we talked about finding the personal time, our personal tents of meeting? Have you been doing that at all? Have you been finding your personal time with the Lord? And when you find that time with Him, ask Him, Lord, what are you trying to chisel in my life today? What are the things in my life that you're not pleased with that I want to work on it? I'm going to work on it now, Lord. I really am going to work on it this time. I'm serious about this. I want to bend my knee now to you while I have the choice. But it's my free choice to bend it so that I'm pleased to you at the end of the day. And I want to be pleased to you today because I need you today. 
close your eyes if you would with me. Father, we just come to you today. And Lord, this thing called submission is a hard concept for us as humans to understand. Because it doesn't work with us well. We're not designed, well, we are designed, but sin has come in and thing called, brought this thing called pride. And pride rises up in a man that keeps my, my knees stiff before you. And so it's hard in my flesh to bow before you. Lord, I pray, I, I come to you with a heart of repentance to say that I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for what the cause of that is, and that is a hard heart. So I pray that you would soften my heart, and I submit my heart to you today. I surrender my life to you today. And I repent, and I go back to the small gate. And I want to I want to walk that narrow road of living for you and with a heart of joy and peace because of submission to you. Would you forgive me today, Father? Would you forgive this church today for maybe the things we've done out of pride and arrogance? Would you forgive us as we walk in this life of repentance and submission? Will you fill us with joy and peace?